welcome to Yoga Olamit, where we examine the relationship of yoga and mindfulness to people's everyday lives and experiences. I'm Dana Baxter. Today, we are talking with Evan Joblin, the founder of the yoga community Yoga Otsma, who we spoke with for our very first Yoga Olamit episode. Evan gives advice to those just starting out in their yoga practice, as well as to those who may be more experienced in the practice. Evan emphasizes awareness on and off the mat, as well as the importance of practicing in manageable chunks. And now your host, Monica Sager. Hi, Evan. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Monica. Thanks for having me. Can you start by sharing a little bit about how your yoga and meditation practices have been since we last talked to you? So since last we spoke in the middle of the pandemic, I have had an interesting evolution of my own practice. Uh, it's quite easy to practice during a cohort where I'm teaching. One of the reasons I teach is so that I also practice uh, to walk the walk. But I've also had a lot of um, a lot of unstructured time where I have to put this stuff to the test. So I've been doing my own my own yoga flow. I've been teaching yoga to kids at a summer camp in California. I've discovered that everything everything we talk about in class, like that the yoga is for life off of the mat has proven to be true. And I've discovered that the breath work, which I think of it like when you see a fire alarm behind glass and says, in case of emergency, break glass. I think of yoga and meditation as what you do or what I do so that when I really need it, it's like, oh, it's there. I really need to use this now for a real reason to calm myself, to get grounded. And having that practice has made all the difference um, through a lot of the unknowns of this this past year. Now, I know that you've been practicing yoga for a while, though. So would you say that a lot of people who practice yoga, people that you've talked to, that you, they see this growth over time, that you just never plateau, really? Well, that's a good question, because one thing I also have noticed, and I imagine other people would feel the same, the the practice that Yoga Otsma is based on is the Baptist power yoga, which has a, a fixed sequence. There, there's some creativity with it, but I do notice sometimes, um, you know, to keep it fresh and to keep from plateauing, I definitely have actually innovated on the original sequence. And this particular round of yoga in the late summer, um, I've been adding, I've been doing things in some different order. I've been making up intuitive combinations still in the general flow of the sequence but i think without variety it's it's easy to get bored and to plateau um so yes i would say keeping it fresh is is probably the biggest challenge but the rewards are great small tweaks in a program small variations holding a posture a little bit longer doing starting on the left side instead of the right can actually encourage like a, a, an exponential growth just by having that newness in the practice. I know that you've talked about changing little things yourself, but can you expand on how your practice has changed in any way throughout this year? Sure. For me, it's, it's actually been a challenge this year to have a consistent daily practice at the level that I, that I had been used to due to a, uh, what had been a persistent shoulder injury that I was told would require surgery. 
felt like I didn't have the time while teaching to get the surgery and I didn't really want the surgery. And actually by scaling back my practice, I apparently allowed my body to heal. And now there is no more pain in my shoulder. It seems, and I'm able to go a hundred percent. So one thing that changed was I practiced less than I would have, but in doing so, I think I actually practiced in a more sustainable way to avoid injury, to allow that injury to heal. And I'm slowly coming back now to a more rigorous, consistent practice. So it's it's gone up and down. Um, but as they say, uh, you know, slow and steady wins the race. So <laughs> there's no rush. Is it hard to recognize, though, even after all this time that you've been practicing yoga, when your body needs different things? Yes, there's, for me, always a sense of pride or ego that that says, you know, it's the competition, right? It's the idea of of competing with myself. But also, we live in a culture that's so much about body image and you know, it's summertime, so you want to look good at the beach, or you want to, you know, um, you want to have tangible, noticeable growth, and it doesn't always go in such a linear way. So, so what kind of advice then would you have for people that are wanting to start out with yoga and meditation practices? The best advice I can give is to have faith in both starting out slow but consistent and noticing the benefit of what I would call like um, a spiral or a wave or something in, in other words, you start slow, you build up a little more, a little more, and then you slow it down again. And then you build up again. So you each time kind of reworking the reworking the same sequences, but actually being able to track uh, sustainable growth. So the advice that I would give someone just starting off with a yoga or meditation practice is to start less ambitious than you might think. Uh, go for 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. Then move that up to 45 seconds, a minute, right? Same with yoga. Do a 10-minute practice. Just do some sun salutations, right? There's no need to do a 75-minute flow the first day or even the first week. But oftentimes that half hour, let's say you have a half hour in a day, the practice you do consistently for a half hour at a time will yield incredible growth as compared to the practice that you do for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half once a week. You won't see as much progress probably that way. So I say start small, don't be so ambitious, and soon enough you will be, you will be reaching your reaching your goals. So then somebody who wants to join the yoga community, what would you recommend that they look for specifically? It's easy these days to find yoga online in a variety of different contexts. It's quite easy to go to YouTube and find a video and practice along with that. But one thing I would highly recommend and one of the strengths of the Yoga Otsma community is the fact that it's a community and that there's real live people. Uh, so whether you're practicing over Zoom or in person, there's that sense of camaraderie and we're all in this together. So the number one thing I would say is find a teacher or a school that you vibe with that, you know, it seems like a good, a good vibe. And you'll know sometimes 
there's schools or teachers that don't have a vibe that that feels right. So I would I would avoid that, avoid that and trust your intuition. Um, yeah. And then looking a little further down the line for somebody who's already started to practice for a little bit and for people who are already regularly practicing, what kind of advice do you have for them? I would say once someone has any practice under their, let me say, yeah. <laughs> I would say that once someone has any practice under their belt, right, you have a consistent practice or you kind of know it in your bones, then it's actually kind of fun to explore other styles. It's fun to continue growing, to continue learning different ways. Like I learn new styles, I learn new classes and sometimes I resonate and sometimes I say, oh wow, I'm really happy for the practice and the style that I do most consistently. Um, but I would say the main thing is if, if you're looking for community and a lifestyle, find your people and do something in person, go to a retreat, do it somewhere tropical or go to Africa Yoga Project in, in Nairobi, right in the middle of the city, um, but see how people are practicing together in community. and. One final thing I would say is, see, how can you, once you have a practice, how can you really apply it in all aspects of life? Like the yoga off the mat is just as important as the yoga on the mat. Now, with mentioning all the styles of yoga, I, just to name a few, there's like vinyasa, there's hatha, there's bikram, there's a whole bunch. Um, if somebody was just to do one, one day, and then another type, another day, is that as effective though than sticking to one type and continuing with it and trying to grow within that one style? That's a great question. And I suppose it comes down to one's philosophy. Um, all of these variations, to be honest, are they're, they're, they're generally variations on the same style. All of the, all of the vinyasa, all of the flowing styles um, whether it's called power yoga or ashtanga, which is where a lot of these come from, um, or whatever it's called, when you're flowing from posture to posture and breathing, I don't think I don't think that there's um, so much difference. There might be a difference in the languaging, in whether a, a teacher uses the Sanskrit terms or not, whether there's elements of yogic philosophy brought in or not. So some are more spiritual and some are more accessible depending on on what feels good. Um, but I would also say I would also say that the the ability to dive deep into one practice and really get to know it in and out, there's probably nothing more rewarding than that. And the folks who dedicate to a style with a with a, a fixed form, like for example, the Ashtanga practice or the Baptiste style can really reshape their entire bodies, their entire worldviews, their entire lifestyle by coming back to the same thing over and over and over again. And then with the idea of bringing yoga and meditation off of the mat, does that look like counting your breath while you're brushing your teeth or eating slowly? Or are there other more... I guess you can say practical ways of doing it that can just flow right into somebody's life. Yeah, the the key word is awareness. And when you're brushing your teeth, 
if you're really paying attention to brushing your teeth. Now, I personally am always thinking about other things all throughout the day. That's just my, the way my brain works. But if I can remember to stop and say, hey, what if I really enjoyed brushing my teeth and thinking about like each tooth as the brush comes around? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't really do that when I brush my teeth. But what if, right, how great would that be to have that kind of awareness in every moment of whatever it is you're doing? Um, so I would say the practice off the mat is, is primarily about awareness and gratitude for whether whether you're really enjoying or or suffering or something in between that that we can we can practice by being present in the now um and sometimes being in the now means thinking about the past and sometimes it means thinking about the future when we do that consciously we end up living the practice off the mat i like that so I think that then brings me to my last question for you, Evan. Um, is there any last things, last words of advice that you'd like to leave with our audience today? I would like to leave everyone with today is the idea that, especially in the world we live in, where there's so much uncertainty and where we can plan in our minds for a future that may or may not unfold in any way like what we imagined. I wanna encourage you to be less ambitious in one sense, right? I, I'm an ambitious person. I'm, I'm sure many of the listeners are ambitious as well. But what I mean is, rather than thinking about a year ahead, five years ahead, 10 years ahead, what if you thought or felt one breath ahead, five breaths ahead, 10 breaths ahead, right? So my advice would be to practice this in small, manageable chunks, and then string those successes together. It's easy to get lost in the future, in planning, when we're looking so far ahead. If we would just pay attention to the breath for the next five seconds and then string together a series of five-second awareness, we'll, we'll discover, I think everyone will, will find that that can radically, radically change the way you experience the world. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Evan. I really appreciate all the advice that you gave us throughout somebody's yoga and meditation lifestyle and practice. I think that it will definitely help not only me rethinking how I do my own yoga, but also hopefully our audience as well. Thanks so much, Monica. Again, this is Yoga Olamit. This is our final episode of Yoga Olamit. We've appreciated you tuning in and a big special thank you to all we have interviewed. Again, I'm Dana Baxter, and on behalf of Monica Sager, myself, and the Yoga Olamid staff, thank you and goodbye.